Welcome to yet another edition of The Brand Called You. Um, we bring some really interesting guests who would share their experiences, who talk about their lives, and of course, uh, impart lots of wisdom. Today we have a good friend, uh, a person who I call a quintessential entrepreneur, Project Rauth, with us, Project Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. This is such a rare honor to be sitting in front of you and, and having this conversation. Thank you so much. You know, you became an entrepreneur when you were 17 years old. And then you worked in a couple of companies. Then you started your own uh, company called Orange Cross. Uh, you then, you know, you exited from Orange Cross. You had, uh, you now got Amplify. You got the Growth Labs. Uh, your mission is to support 100,000 entrepreneurs. Yeah. You are an author of a book on startup and fundraising. You mentor so many people. Talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, your journey and um, what you are doing. Yeah. So promoting entrepreneurship is a personal passion because I believe that unless we create entrepreneurs or unless we create job creators in the country, uh, we will have a big problem as a country. Especially if you see now with artificial intelligence, machine learning, robotics and all of that taking away large swaths of jobs, large chunks of jobs, mm -hmm. especially in countries like India which depended on things like factories and BPOs and all these large you know, things that sucked up a lot of uh, unemployed youth mm -hmm. in, in, in job creation, those things going away, self-employment is going to be a is something that the government as well as the country needs to really focus on. And that is the reason why for a long time I've been focusing on uh, promoting entrepreneurship or creating job creators as something uh, as a passion. In the course of my journey, uh, I started my first business when I was 17 years old. My father was a small businessman. Uh, he passed away quite early. And then uh, as a way of getting into working life, I started with a small printing business. When I was about 20 years old, a few of my friends joined the advertising industry and I thought that was an interesting business to be in. And I said, okay, let me go and figure out what it is about. I joined a small agency to to understand what it is uh, what it is like. And that was my first big lesson in, in, uh, in life. Because my understanding of business was so naive and was so raw and rudimentary that when I stepped into an office and I looked at what an organization is about and what it takes to really make things work, I decided to take a step back and say, okay, let me spend a few years in, in, in uh, understanding how business works and then start something of mine. Mm -hmm. I think that turned out to be a sensible decision. I worked for about 10 years in different kinds of advertising agencies. Uh, so what was your first learning that you said that you must get prior experience before starting? No, I, I think prior experience, uh, and I will we'll come to that. I think experience is useful, but not necessarily, okay. uh, but but not necessarily a, a necessary thing. And and, and that, mm -hmm. uh, since we are talking about that, a lot of entrepreneurs ask me, a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs ask me in terms of should I start directly out of college or should I get an experience first? And my answer to them is, look, if you have an idea that you know is going to really work if you if you have the conviction and you have an understanding of how the business around that works mm -hmm. by all means go ahead and, and try it Absolutely. out and learn on the way but if you don't have an idea and you just you, you you just have the thought of being an entrepreneur then it might be wiser to just go out and spend some time uh, in different kinds of organizations to get that experience mm -hmm. but my my biggest experience in in uh, when i when i 
went into a job for the first time is that I understood the sheer complexity of what it takes to what seems very simple from the outside to get mm. done. Uh, as a as somebody who had seen advertising agencies from the outside, I said, okay, maybe there's somebody who writes, somebody who draws stuff, and then the ad goes on. Mm. But then when I realized that it takes so many you know months to really strategize, to debate, it takes several different kinds of departments to really make this work. Uh, and there's a there's something called processes, there's something called technology that, that binds all of that together. Mm -hmm. Those were things that uh, made me think that, look, I know nothing about what business is about, and it might help to really get a little better understanding of this so what are these two companies that are you currently doing amplify and the growth labs see everything that i've done uh, largely revolves around my passion for supporting entrepreneurship uh, before i started applyify i had uh, uh, i was the head of operations of the indian angel network and before that i had taken a three-year sabbatical to run the asia office of thai now thai as you would know is one of the largest organizations in the world which mm -hmm. is whose mission is to foster entrepreneurship and they do that by uh, by it, it's, it's a platform where successful and accomplished entrepreneurs spend time with upcoming entrepreneurs and 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 help them in you know sort of with the lessons that they've learned on the way so that people don't have to go through the rough and tumble that other people may have already you know sort mm -hmm. of gone on that way that was a those three years were a phenomenal learning experience mm -hmm. in in, in, in in, in understanding of entrepreneurship. Yeah. And then I got back uh, when I was head heading the Indian Angel Network, I realized that there was, we, we used to get about a thousand plus applications every every month, uh, about 10, 12,000 applications every year. 80% of those are, of, of those are, or significantly larger number of applications were businesses that may have the understanding of, or may have the potential of being a good business or concepts that would have the potential of being a good business. But the articulation of that idea, how to present it, how to pitch it, et cetera, et cetera, was completely lacking. And the people would, would go on talking about the idea, but without understanding how the business around that was going to be built, what the revenue model was, what the business model was, commercials, et cetera, et cetera. And it wasn't because these people were stupid. It was only because nobody had taught them or explained to them that this is how you think about the business and stuff. And therefore, um, when I started Applyify, it was it it, <clears throat> it started with a scorecard which mm -hmm. gave entrepreneurs a very uh, detailed, thorough analysis of or an assessment of various aspects about how, uh, but the foundational aspects about the business. It gave start startup founders very actionable insights in terms of what they could do right. to strengthen the business so mm -hmm. that's what apply for is about okay. we we are not an investment banker we are not a funding agency we certainly not investors all we do is help entrepreneurs fine-tune their business plans build stronger foundations for the business and help them through in terms of think through how they're going to build that business that's all we do that's so if i'm mean. if i'm a budding entrepreneur I can reach out to Applyfy yeah. and say, uh, can you help me build a business plan? Yeah. So we or if I have a business plan, I can come and say, can you vet the business plan? Yeah. So everybody has a business plan in the sense they may not have an Excel sheet, they may not have a PowerPoint, but they have some idea in terms of what they want to do, etc. Mm -hmm. onto it. They may not have built all the aspects around it. What we help them do is think through all the all the necessary elements and all the foundational box. Uh, a lot of times, and much like I was in my in my earlier job, 
most entrepreneurs don't have an understanding of the complexity and therefore the underlying cost structures that would be required in making this work. And as a result, their view about how this is going to get implemented is very simplistic. All we do is bring a more experienced perspective to that entire thing and we help them think through their own businesses. I see. Uh, it's not that we write a business plan for them. Nobody can. We we describe our role as a uh, as a gym instructor. I can tell you what to do, but I can't run for you on the treadmill. Sure. Uh, and that's that's typically what we what we help people do. Okay. And what about the growth plans? So, because we work with a large number of startups, we typically work with about a thousand plus startups uh, every year. Uh, just this year, for example, uh, with the program that we are running for the Rajasthan government, we work with about 650 startups there itself. Because we have access to a large number of uh, startups, uh, many of them are, are very good uh, across different sectors and stuff like that. We started the growth club where we work with large companies, manufacturing companies, auto companies, pharma companies, typically the traditional old world companies, etc. Who now have recognized the need for looking for innovation outside of their companies. And these are companies, they, they recognize that some of that innovation will come from startups, but they are not necessarily as geared up for for, for handling the, the startups. So, what, uh, so at the growth labs, we help uh, large companies manage their innovation and startup engagement programs, right from helping them define what are the kind of things that they might be able to benefit from, going out and then finding these companies, shortlisting and then, then really actually taking them into, into projects. And so it would be more of a focus on technology alone? Not really. Uh, technology is one component of, of, of it, but there are several, uh, yes, I mean, by, by, by design, a number of companies that apply to to apply a file happen to be technology enabled, but not necessarily everything is a technology company. It could be companies. So if a simple brick and mortar uh, idea that I have, yeah. I come to you first and say, I want to set up a retail chain. Yes. Uh, like, you know, a modern Kirana shop. Sure. Um, what do you think of my business plan? And you help me do that. And once that is done and I've got, say, five or six stores, sure. then I come to the growth labs. Would that be how? No. It? So, uh, our, our customer for ApplyFi and growth has is different. In ApplyFi, our customer or the state, the key stakeholder is the is the startup, and in the growth labs, our customer is the corporate. So, the corporate defines a problem statement, or we help the corporate define a problem statement or an opportunity area, and then on on the basis of that, we will. Uh, so, for example, for a large auto company, their their thing was how do we improve our marketing in rural areas, including access to capital, mm. uh, allowing people access to capital. Now, this wasn't a solution. We say, okay, let's go out and find one company that is doing doing everything. Uh, we had to stitch together a solution with a combination of seven different companies, mm. one in face recognition, one in other enabled you know, KYC, one in peer-to-peer -peer lending, one in institutional lending, and the other putting together the entire program that would do, uh, uh, which will allow you know sort of individuals to be to be uh, distributors or dealers for that company versus say for example a traditional mm -hmm. uh, what should you say a, a brick and mortar you know car showroom. More importantly, to improve the the selling of those vehicles in rural areas, you have to improve the you know sort of uh, the 
after sales service network as well and therefore we we had a company which would, would do ar vr to be able to support a local mechanic to service this car so which mm-hmm. has as a result of which the access to those those vehicles etc become better in those mm-hmm. villages so that's typically what we would do we would look at a problem statement put together the uh, the kind of solutions that would be required identify the right startups and get them into a model that would make sense for everyone i understand so tell me a little bit about startups in india you know uh, our government is uh, been promoting yeah. startup india yeah. and the general sense of um, you know everyone seems to be very upbeat sure what is your experience no i think you know entrepreneurship uh, is something that has been in india for a long time we just used to call them businessmen uh, i am a little concerned about the use of the word startups in the way it is being used mm-hmm. right now unfortunately in india our definition of startups is a very vc defined definition of startups which is technology enabled companies mm-hmm. that will scale up massively and they could be they could either fail or they could succeed and give investors a, a blowout return and while that is one version of entrepreneurship that certainly shouldn't be india's definition of what startups is mm-hmm. uh, our you know the startup india definition is technology enabled companies that are innovation led and i and i ask why why does it have to be technology enabled uh, why does it have to be innovation led can't i you know say for example a chaios is a great example yeah. of taking a real of course it is technology enabled in yeah. some ways or the other for efficiency but it's not a technology business and i think it's important that in india we redefine the definition of of startups to any legitimate business that the entrepreneur wishes to do Uh, or is excited about doing to the extent of his aspirations and capabilities there's no reason to be a billion dollar company there's no reason to be a 10 million dollar company if i'm happy making a few lakhs every month so be it that should be considered uh, startups as well but that said and that that keeps on happening in the sense there are several you know businesses mm-hmm. that keep we call them smes or we call them msmes and stuff like that but within the the so called startup world which is a technology enabled scalable model world and stuff like that what's encouraging is a lot more people in colleges and younger people are thinking about entrepreneurship as a possible mm-hmm. career op- option a bunch of reasons for that one is there is much better access to capital uh, there's a lot of you know whether it's very early stages or whether it's uh, at every stage of the of the journey capital availability is a lot better than what it was even say about 5 years ago forget for 10 15 years ago but the second most important thing is that attempting an own business has become democratized the uh, 20 years ago to start a business you needed a large amount of capital to start off with because you needed to create a website that would cost a few lakhs you needed an office you needed people you needed everything was 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 expensive and the only medium of of your sort of advertising was radio and television but required larger budgets now with all of these cost structures being on freelancers available co-working spaces available online platforms on which you can quickly put up websites social media marketing that allows you to test these yeah. concepts all of that is good. and the but the biggest factor in my mind for a lot of people attempting entrepreneurship is because there is a societal acceptance of failure which earlier was the uh, was a big negative for even the families mm-hmm. to accept pata nahi fail ho gaya to it nahi chala to kya hoga wo kya kahenge wo kya kahenge and all of that all of that is gone mm-hmm. it's perfectly all right now to say okay we attempted it didn't work out 
In fact, that is so well said. I was just going to ask you this question and you all answered it. You know, when I was growing up, um, you, you needed to be, I mean, there was no concept of SMEs and MSMEs. Correct. They were industrialists. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. And only those industrialists had the capability to allow their family members or their trusted members to be able to start new businesses. Yes. Or you were a small Kirana Large capital was needed. Or you were a small Kirana shop. Um, that was on the one side, but as you said, societal acceptance is there. I think uh, today's parents are much more willing to uh, allow their yeah. children to take a risk yes. of doing something on their yeah. own yeah. Uh, than it was earlier. Yeah, because we have, you know, we have uh, role models that have become aspirational, etc. etc. Uh, there have been, you know, examples of of people who've done modestly well, or even not done well, but mm. have stumbled and got back again and and done onto something. And in fact, that's one of the things that I tell parents who come sometimes worried in terms of saying my child is doing something, mm. is it okay and not okay? And I tell to do one simple exercise. Find a list of 100 companies that have failed in the last one year or two years or five years. Go to the LinkedIn profiles of those founders and figure out and tell me one person who's struggling today. Mm. In fact, the uh, you know even from, an, from a corporate and industry point of view, two people being the same, one with, with every other experience being the same, but one with an entrepreneurial experience is much likely to be preferred because that person has a slightly broader view about business rather than somebody who's, who's not had had, had that experience. Very true. So you are spending a lot of time on startups and you also help startups get funding. Uh, a few questions for you on this. Now, first one is, uh, when should I as a startup entrepreneur look for funding? I mean, we keep hearing talks of boost, bootstrapping your startup and yeah. so on. So I, I tell people that, you know, uh, you should you should look for funding when you need it. And that could be at any point of time. It could be when you're at an idea stage. It could be when you've got a minimum viable product, MVP as they call it, or you've done some tests and pilots mm -hmm. in, the, in that market and stuff. But a lot of, you know, unfortunately, what has happened is that many aspiring entrepreneurs think that the first step to entrepreneurship is seeking funding and that is almost always wrong. Uh, if you have clarity in terms of saying that look this is what I want to do, here's how I'm going to be able to do it. At every stage of the of that journey there are different kinds of investors available. So all, if all you have is an idea and a few uh, you know thoughts around how this is going to be done then there are lots of accelerators and incubators who will provide you anywhere between 10 lakhs to the 50 lakhs that is required to take that concept off the ground. They also help you build a foundational you know, sort of uh, building blocks of that business. When you've gone past that, when you need say anywhere between say, 50 lakhs to a couple of crores, there are either individual angel investors, lots of them available through various platforms or angel investor networks that are available. And then beyond that, there are institutional investors and stuff. So the simple answer to that question is that go to, uh, go seek capital whenever you need it, but only if you need it. But before that, get clarity in terms of what you need to do, or at least clarity in terms of what you don't know so that you can you can find an investor who will help you. Uh, so what would your advice be to us, uh, an entrepreneur who, um, a young person who has decided he, he or she wants to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. What would it be that first build your business and seek valuation or build your business only to seek valuation? No, build your business only to seek valuation never works. It has never worked for, for anybody else. Uh, uh, 
valuation is a factor of the value that you create in the business and what value somebody else attributes to the rent other you can't you can't you know sort of build a business saying that look i want to be a billion dollar valuation and how will that market work and the reason is simple because uh, you know anybody who starts business with an opportunistic point of view will almost always fail because no business will go in that you know hockey stick direction in, in one way there will be ups and downs in between uh, unless you start a business with something that you have the conviction in and something that you're passionate about you will not have the tenacity to last through the first upheavals and therefore say that look aajkal healthcare chal raha hai aajkal fintech chal raha hai usme kuch karke main billion dollar karta it will never work because you'll give up because it's not something that's in your passion and you know the, the our media has projected a lot of these you know overnight successes and all that but what most people don't recognize is it takes a decade to become an overnight success yeah. it's not a journey you recognize even the you know flip cards of the world and stuff like that a 10 15 year old journey is not mm. a yesterday story very true very true and when you are looking to raise money um even if it's on a very small scale what is the importance of agreements and how important is it to um, No, they are understand everything. Uh, uh, absolutely, I mean, you, you know, any kind of agreement in business is extremely important. Uh, but I see that entrepreneurs tend to worry a lot more than they should, and not. Uh, it's. It, I'm not saying that they should be. Uh, they should be casual about it. But as the ecosystem matures, uh, I've seen that the investors also have. you know the, the a lot of the agreements that you see across angel investor groups or institutional investors certainly of institutional investors mm-hmm. as well as the networks are very founder friendly uh, unless you're dealing with somebody who's yeah. who intends to you know sort of uh, create trouble create trouble uh, it's unlikely that you will have that but there are certain things that you you know sort of need to watch out for there are basically two areas on which you need to be careful what is the control that we that that you are uh, uh, giving to somebody else and what is the dilution that is happening uh, on on, I understand. on on that i understand so when you are starting up what are the advantages or disadvantages of getting a partner uh, you know the i cannot underscore the importance of having somebody as a co traveler within that journey whether that person is a partner or somebody who's who's supporting and the reason is because uh, a it balances the team with with a with a variety of other skill sets mm-hmm. and stuff like that but more importantly entrepreneurship can be an extremely draining and stressful journey uh, uh, more than any in the job and stuff because typically when you start off in an entrepreneurial journey you have this whole vision about saying how this is going to be so successful and how this is going to be great and you have seen that literally seen that film in your mind in terms of this going in in almost the you know the and as you take the steps you realize that that it doesn't work that way there are lots of stumbling blocks etc which you may have you know sort of thought about but your optimism really takes you uh, away from from those those thoughts uh and as you go through that ups and downs that you face it can be emotionally physically financially very straining uh, and it becomes extremely easy if you don't have somebody to aid you along with and say let's give it a shot to give up uh, the reason why i'm saying that it is important it is a very useful thing to have is because you will see that a lot of single founders tend to give up a lot earlier 
in the okay. challenges than than people who got that's very interesting yeah totally very very interesting so i've seen you work you know 20 hours a day and i see you know you uh, are much more relaxed today how do you manage your work life balance you know different phases of life there was a phase in life where uh, things were very rough uh, financially the you know the orange cross we 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 had a vision of what we would be able to achieve obviously the market didn't behave at that point mm-hmm. of time in the way uh, we had expected to uh, that phase of 5 or 6 years was very uh, rough and therefore you were putting in a lot more effort uh, and after that because you had gone through a very long you know sort of downside uh, you were putting a lot more effort to really get back to a level where life can you know sort of stability to good bring it but i think as you grow and, and in in always in age as well as you know sort of maturity and financial stability and all that your priorities change mm. i have a 15 year old daughter 16 now uh, 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 6 15 and a half that's what she had asked me to do mm. but um, so i've got two years with her before she goes off to college and i don't know where so my priority in life for the last one year and for the next two years is optimizing time with her so mm. i try to make my assignments in a way that i'm typically able to get back home at around 4:35 and able to spend some time with, uh, with after she goes back to mm. college i'll get my life back again and then i'll figure out what you know sort of how to step on the gas again step, step on the gas again. okay so one question i love to ask all my guests uh, is uh, and i want you to be as vulnerable as you possibly can is uh, what is your biggest learning from your biggest failure or what are your learnings from your failures uh lots of learnings lots of learnings within the starting is especially uh, if i if i break them into personal and and sort of professional thing the professional part of the learning and of course every failure will teach you different things depending on the circumstances that it it uh, 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 that you went through on the orange cross side for example one of my biggest learnings was to give every business model enough time to mature and see before making rapid adjustments um, one of the things that you hear often is oh the biggest advantage of a startup is that you can be nimble and you can change direction and stuff and sometimes overdoing that can be uh, can misfire in different ways as well and that that was a big biggest learning uh, the second learning that i had in in orange cross and it was a very rude one that when a customer says that yes i like it and i will buy it does not necessarily mean he will buy there's a big difference between getting a ex- expression of interest and the person using it and it may not be because your product is stupid or bad or wrong but because there would be several other either you know the circumstances could be other priorities or it could be organizational change that needs to get done and stuff like that and for i guess the, the third one would be also that if he buys it not necessarily that he will pay for it uh that's right i mean with with over a period i mean the th- the belief is that if there is if they see value they should pay for mm. it so if somebody is refusing to pay for it either it's in a competitive market where 200 other people are offering the same value proposition and you are not in any position mm-hmm. to bargain or the value proposition is not strong enough for that person to consider paying you for it uh, in which case you need to rethink re- uh, on that mm-hmm. but on the personal side i think you know the uh, my learnings were that 
important to be extremely positive because it was there was one insight which a uh, a friend had told me at one point of time and i think that has stood me in good stead which i keep on telling my daughter as as well always remember in life wo din nahi rahe to ye bhi nahi rahega so when you are on a on a on a low uh, remember that even these days will come and if when you are you know if you think that you are becoming successful and stuff like that be careful because even these days will mm. will will uh, pass by that's well but said mm. the other thing that i you know picked up from people like you pravin gandhi sridhar who were our initial uh, mentors and investors is the incredible value of being just a nice person uh being nice to people being transparent being honest being you know sort of just nice uh is an incredibly satisfying uh, thing at the end of the mm. day uh, yeah that's well said in fact i would add to that a little bit to say that culturally i think indian management is very different from the uh, and i'm going to stick my neck out on this one uh, the over aggressive uh, yeah. american style of yes. functioning yes and i think we as indians tend to relate much more as human beings yes. and empathize much more yes i think the american and, and because i worked in advertising with large multinational companies the biggest and versus say for example indian companies the biggest difference that i see is that american american companies tend to rely a lot more on processes and in some ways it's dumbing down of the second rung and the third rung and the fourth rung where somebody makes a decision and there's a process and everybody follows within that entire thing the indian uh, uh, approach is a lot more entrepreneurial and when you when you when you say that you know, it's a little more human etc it means that you don't have a blind you know sort of uh, adherence to just processes but there is way of experimenting this certainly going to be for example if uh, a reason why icici bank for example creates a lot more entrepreneurs within mm. their ranks mm. then say for example an amex or or, or yeah. city does you yeah. don't hear about yeah. as many entrepreneurial successes in mm. as, as as you do in you know so project last question you know we've already spoken a lot about startups and entrepreneurs and how they should build their business plan and uh, and i sincerely hope <coughs> a lot of people who are watching this will come to apply fi and to the growth apps but what would your advice be to a startup entrepreneur focus on the value proposition don't focus on what is uh, what is trending at this point of time find something that is that you're really passionate about because at the end of the day even if you're successful in something that you're not passionate about it doesn't matter it doesn't really i mean do something that you're excited about uh, about doing and a lot of young entrepreneurs don't seem to understand or recognize the value of the simple thing it at at early stages um and it tell entrepreneurs that it is extremely important for you to first figure out what that value proposition is going to be for what customer and then build a product mm-hmm. around it identify that problem or the opportunity and then think of the solutions rather than starting off with the solution and going around it uh the other thing that i uh, would advise entrepreneurs is that there is a big difference between building a product and building a business around that product mm-hmm. a lot of people tend to think of the idea as the business and that idea is just the starting point in fact i tell tell people that a good idea and i'm going to stick my neck out on with this a good idea is neither a necessary condition for success of a business and most certainly not a sufficient condition for success of a business 
a mediocre idea or a, a uh, something that has already been tried before executed well will have a much better chance of, of building a business than uh, than something that is just an idea without the idea. And the last point would be don't get uh, enamored by the the fluff that you see around in terms of valuations and this that etc it doesn't matter just focus on building a strong business everything else will flow from there so your unicorn and indicorn will happen if you have a strong business it will i mean at the end of the day i mean these are uh, these are outliers uh, and if you want to bet your life on being an outlier so be it but you know it doesn't have to be be happy in whatever you do uh, most importantly enjoy it. be a good person be a good person to everyone to all the stakeholders and just be happy thank you very much project for coming on the show uh, i'm sure a lot of our listeners will benefit from project's incredible wisdom that you have shared with us today um so i look forward to staying in touch thank you, thank you very, very much. much thank you very much thank you for listening to the brand called you podcast Be sure to visit tbcy.in to join the conversation, access show notes and discover fantastic bonus content. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Simply search for the brand called you. Thank you and see you next week.